Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 916. Find what you love and chase it and you will be successful no matter what. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Jonathan Sirikowski. Jonathan, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely, Mark. Thanks very much for having me. My pleasure. Jonathan Sirikowski is your passionate, trusted advisor at Sirikowski Classic Car Advisors in Raleigh, North Carolina. There he provides a variety of services, including acquisitions and sales, collection, consulting, historical automotive research, appraisals, and estate planning. It all started in his teens when Jonathan worked for Butch Gordon at Manchester Motor Car Company, cleaning up and chasing car parts. He began writing auction descriptions, reporting on sales, and much, much more. He spent time with the RM auction people researching and reporting on cars, and today he helps clients around the world find their dream automobiles. Jonathan is an active member of the American Society of Appraisers, Society of Automotive Historians, Stutz Club, Classic Car Club of America, the Marmon Club. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of other organizations and automobile clubs that Jonathan is active with. So, Jonathan, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career and your passion for automobiles before we jump into my questions? Yeah, sure, Mark. Well, you hit the nail on the head um, right there. You said career and passion, and actually it started the other way around. I was very, very fortunate to have an opportunity to work for this fellow you mentioned named Butch Gordon, who owned Manchester Motor Car Company in my hometown. And that's where I started chasing parts, sweeping the floors, dusting cars off, and learning about cars and getting engaged with them. And that's how the passion really developed that, you know, I got the disease pretty early on. I was 15, 16 years old. Yeah. And I said, I want to work with cars for a living. I like this. And that's how it all went from there. And it's something that I just kept on working at, educating myself. I had a lot of great mentors, which I'm very, very fortunate for because this is not something that you go to get a formal education for. Although I did go to business school to sort of supplement my goals, but just kept on working at it and and I'm living my dream. Well, certainly you are. And I'm really happy because a fellow friend of ours, Philip Richter of Turtle Garage, connected us together and he's been a guest on the show and said, oh, you got to talk to Jonathan. This is a perfect guest for Cars Yeah! to inspire other people. So as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra, something that stands out for you that has great meaning. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah! So Jonathan, take the wheel. You know, it's it's not so much a quote or there's different versions of this, but find what you love and chase it and you will be successful no matter what. I had a lot of people when I was trying to find my way and when I was charting my course to try to work in the car world one way or another, um, I had people who were clients that said, look, go out, get a real job, make real money and, and you'll have a car you know, a hobby car in the garage someday. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. I want to make my living working with these cars. So, you know, I, I would just tell people, find 
whatever it is that turns your crank and chase it, and you'll figure out how to make it work. You know, and you other you shared another golden nugget there, and that is surround yourself with good mentors, people that are yes. already doing it. They're already successful in the field. Figure out how they did it, and I guarantee you, if they're a car person, they will share the story with you. Just like now, well, you're my 916th guest. I've got a lot of people <laughs> who've shared their success stories, and luckily together we'll inspire some other people to be able to do exactly what you did. It's a great story. Speaking of stories, let's go back in time and talk about what instigated your passion for cars. Now, you talk about being that 15-year-old and getting to work in that shop. Mm-hmm. Wonderful opportunity. But is there a pivotal moment even earlier than that that you knew you were a car guy? You know, I didn't. I didn't grow up in an automobile collecting family. Um, there's a lot of times it is this generational thing. Um, what had happened was there was a pair of unrestored Hork automobiles. Um, these are eight-cylinder, really, really nicely built German cabriolets that were were laying dormant in Manchester, Connecticut, for about 40 years. And Butch Gordon had the opportunity to acquire these cars. The local newspaper came down and did a story on them. They were unrestored original cars that had all this patina dating from the 1930s and 1940s. And my dad took me down there one day to go see them. And Butch was nice enough to show us around, show us the cars. And what really, really hooked me was when he opened the door and said, get in, sit behind the wheel. And I did. And I was amazed because the leather was old and original and cracked and just had the you know that that smell of a 50 60 year old leather that comes with age and then he said push over and i got into the passenger seat and he got in the car and he started it up and and this big straight eight rumble to life and i mean that's <laughs> yeah you know that's when the lightning struck and i was just i was awestruck you know i always had an appreciation for history and historical objects wherever I had the opportunity to see them but this was something different this was something really special that i wanted to know more about and be around more. No doubt. I mean, talk about making an impression. And for those of you who may be scratching their head about Hork, August Hork, of course, was the founder. He was a German engineer. He was an automobile pioneer, and he had kind of four brands, as I recall, had Hork, Audi, DKW, Wanderer, and they, of course, merged all into the Audi automobile. That's why you have those four circles in that brand. But no doubt that made a huge impression on you. Have you come across in all of your workings of cars similar to that since then that you've uh, been able to enjoy helping people get connected with? You know, it's funny, as big as the world is, it's a really small world and connections are happening all the time that seem to be serendipitous. One of those two very horks that I saw when I was a, a kid and sort of followed throughout the years as they popped up on the radar, I actually had the opportunity to interact with the last couple of months. Oh, wow. There was another car. It was the first pre-war car I ever got to drive. And I should say, by the way, you know, there's a lot of guys, especially younger guys that are interested in post-war sports cars. And I've appreciated those cars and learned about them. But I'm really into the pre-war coach-built automobiles. And that's what I always loved because of those two horks. But there was a car that was being serviced in Manchester. It was a 1934 Packard straight eight coupe roadster. And I was approached recently through somebody that that I met out at Pebble Beach that had this eight-cylinder 34 Packard that he wanted historical research done on. And I said, sure, I'd be happy to. They're great cars. Send me what you have on it. Well, 
sure enough, one of the names in the ownership history that he knew was the man that owned the car <laughs> when yeah. I knew it when I was I was probably 17, 18 years old at the time. And I said, I called the guy immediately. I said, oh, my God, you won't believe this. This is the first Packard I ever drove. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Small world indeed. What a cool story. That's awesome. Yeah. I've been very, very privileged to deal with some fabulous cars. You know, I just I helped somebody find a Model T fire truck. The guy asked me, hey, do you know where there might be one of these? And I put some feelers out uh, and one came my way and he was able to get a great car. And I like Duesenbergs and 12-cylinder Packards and supercharged Mercedes and all this great stuff in between. So um, I just feel very, very fortunate with the kind of things I get to touch. Plus, you get to make a lot of people very happy, which is an even more special way to run your life. Well, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you faced along the way in your career. These things are important because they teach us really valuable lessons. So tell us about one of those experiences and how it helped you gain even more momentum moving forward. You know, it's interesting at the point in life that I'm at. I just got married. Congratulations. Six months ago to the love of my life. Thank you very much. And obviously, you know, that brings different change, different priorities. And uh, you're you're looking at your life as part of a partnership, not just yourself. Yep. And I had been living in Canada for five years working for RM Auctions, later known as RM Sotheby's. And I had a really, really fantastic experience there and experienced a lot of growth. And, you know, my profile within the industry grew and touched a lot of fabulous cars and all the rest of it. But, you know, I knew probably a year ago as this relationship was getting more serious and things were progressing that we were going to think about, okay, we're getting married. What sort of a life do we want to have? Visualizing that, where do we want to be? And how does your career fit into the to the bigger picture? And how does your life fit in with your career? And so I sort of knew being where I was living and what I was doing, that it was going to come, that I was approaching a decision point. And I knew that something was coming and it was a discussion that Elizabeth and I were having. And we said, well, we've got some time. We'll figure it out. You know, at some point, Things may precipitate that sort of open a pathway or show us which pathway we're going to go. And, you know, so really I would say that the challenge was deciding, am I going to stay with this organization longer or do I reorient myself and put myself on a different career trajectory, which could mean going to work for somebody else or striking out on my own so that I can continue to work, continue to grow, continue to build my name and my brand, but also live back in the United States, live closer to family and all the rest of it. So there was a lot of months of reflection and analysis and self-reflection to determine what I wanted to do and how I was going to execute and if that was even going to be possible professionally and, and financially. Right. And and that sort of leads into one of the other questions that we were talking about, the, the entrepreneurial aha. And I was talking to a good friend of mine in the car industry that – knew me well, knew my strengths, my knowledge, and, uh, you know, what was going on in my personal life. And he said, are you kidding me? You've got more of a profile in this industry than I did when I started out. And by the way, you don't have any kids. You don't have any debt. You don't have a mortgage. You're going to be just fine. You're free. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> it was that 
two sentences that flipped the switch and said, you know what? Yeah, I can do this. And now's the time to do it. And I'm so grateful that I did make the jump because it's been a really, really fantastic year so far. Well, nice segue into that aha question. That was absolutely brilliant. And, you know, this is a really good lesson for young people. And I've had this discussion with my children is keeping yourself out of debt and freeing yourself up for lots of opportunities. And I know that it goes against tradition, even my tradition, that you're supposed to get married, buy a house, have 2.3 kids, a picket fence, Mm -hmm. and two cars, and all this stuff. But... Sometimes that can limit your possibilities and by keeping yourself freed up and open to options. And of course, children, if someday you're blessed with children, that will change everything. But that's going to come down the road. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I do, I do want to, want to say to that, you're right that living conservatively from a financial standpoint did enable that opportunity. You know, I worked very diligently to pay off my college debt. My wife, Elizabeth, God bless her. I mean, she's she's a doctor and she came out of med school with, wow. with a lot more debt than I did. Yeah. And she kept her nose to the grindstone and, and paid off her debt in a very, very short period of time. And we don't we don't drive fancy cars. We don't live lavishly. Um, we focus very hard on getting rid of the debt yes. first. And that has truly allowed for us to make those considerations. Yep. And we're all the better for it. It will set you free. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> Great. You guys have it figured out at a very young age, which I'm really proud of you for that. Well, speaking of being proud, what is your proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many. And one of the ways I'm sure you feel good is by making other people happy by finding cool cars like old fire trucks and things like that. Is there one that stands out you would share with us? Yeah, you know, it actually connects a couple of things together, including, you know, Philip Richter, who's become a dear friend and a mentor and a, and a cheerleader for me since we got to know each other a few years ago. A lot of your listeners probably know the name of a collector from Connecticut named Malcolm Prey. Yes. And when I was a kid working for Butch and trying to figure out how to get more business in the in the door, and we'd have people arguing over uh, one hour's worth of, of billable labor. You know, it was $55 an hour or something at the time. And you read about all these people that are restoring cars for hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and so on and so forth. And I said, Butch, we got to work with better cars and, and Packards and Duesenbergs. And we got to try to get business from a guy like Malcolm Prey in Greenwich, who's got all these fabulous cars and is an established collector. And of course, I'm 16, 17 years old. And what do I know? And he says, oh, yeah, okay, go ahead. You'll, you'll play with Packards and Duesenbergs, all right, and, and go call up Mac- Malcolm Prey. And my career progressed. Butch, by the way, he was like a, a stepfather to me. We were very, very close, got to be very close during the time that I worked for him and years beyond until his passing a couple of years ago. But what happened in the years since then I was working for RM, I was doing a trip to New England, and I got to go meet with Malcolm Prey. Nice. And he thought, you know, he was, he was impressed by me. I was, I was very interested in the kind of cars that, that he had and very polite and respectful. And I showed up 8 o'clock in the morning right, at, you know, right when he asked me to be there, and, and that meant a lot to him. And we built a relationship, and uh, he got to like me very, very quickly. And uh, unfortunately, his health took a turn six, eight months later, and he passed away. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Well, shortly thereafter, I got a phone call from Philip Richter saying – I'm the trustee or one of the trustees for Malcolm's estate. And he told me that 
should something happen that he wanted me to call you to have you oh. help facilitate oh nice yeah the sale of some of the cars from his collection mm-hmm. so uh, and he had a he had a long standing um, relationship with RM as well and and you know the cars cars could have gone there uh, very well anyways but the fact that I was the one that got the phone call that he had mentioned to me to his trustee by name and made very clear that he wanted me to be involved in this I mean that was a very very special honor and acknowledgement from somebody that I looked up to, you know, he was probably the first great collector whose name I knew yes. as a kid. Nice. So that was a that was a very very special thing, and I was able to share that success with Butch, who who passed not too many months after the sale of the cars. Mm-hmm. So it was great to bring it full circle. It was a tremendous success for the Prey family and the estate, and then of course, you know, Philip and I uh, have been close friends ever since, and I'm very very grateful and fortunate for all of that. Well, it's an awesome story. I remember when that all happened. Kudos to you and the team for the work you did to make that a success. And I'll tell you, when you called in, I thought you were Philip calling because you guys sound exactly the same. I'm like, wait a minute, is this a trick? Does Jonathan not even exist? Is it just Philip's other alter ego going on here? So uh, Must be that Connecticut Yankee in us. Yeah, I think so. I think so. He's smiling right now. He's a great guy. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back and talk about your first really special car. What was that vehicle? And maybe share a memory you have about that car uh i mean i i guess i i guess the hork would be the number one on my list which we've already talked about and i've shared this story with you and you and your listeners this unrestored coach built pre-war car i mean really really pulled me in that direction i would say the malcolm prey delahaye is another really really special car um being a so rare there's only one other truly comparable sister car to it b the fact that he owned it for 50 years, and as far as we could ever tell, was the second owner of the car. It had been cosmetically restored, but virtually untouched by today's standards. Yes. Was an amazing car to touch and to work with and to find historical information and tie together the story, including information that had never been written down, but that he had shared with me when we were talking about the cars only six months earlier. And I was able to follow up on when I was cataloging the collections and, and validate. There was a really, really fabulous uh, Mercedes 540K Special Roadster, long tail that uh, was coming up for sale and had been in a museum for several decades. And everyone knew it was a legit car and knew the car existed, but the story of the car was not known. And I started, I love research. Um, that's my favorite part of this. Mm-hmm. And putting together the history of this car and finding out that it had been delivered new to the United States in 1936. The original owner was a man in Colorado. Um, finding out who he was, finding his grandchildren, getting pictures of the car from the 1940s and filling in the history from there. And of course, spending a lot of time behind the wheel and, and stomping down the gas pedal, uh, letting the supercharger wail. I mean, just, <laughs> it, it's an amazing, uh, it, it was an amazing thing to work with all around. No doubt. Now that, that Delahaye, was that a 135M? Is that the cream car with the blue accents? Yeah, that's right. It yeah. was, uh, 37, it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They called it a. It was a 36 or 37. It was one of the earlier cars. It was actually the 135 MS, which was the triple carb, you know, sort of tuned up version, short chassis. It even had. It was there was a series of of teardrop 
Delahays. I think there were 13 cars and there were long chassis, short chassis, coupes, cabriolets, roadsters. So there were only two short chassis roadsters and Malcolm Prey's car was one of them. And one of the things that was so special and that I think is special of any pre-war car that has this attribute is it had all of its original data tags, body tags. There was a very special tag identifying it as I think is the fifth or the sixth car in the series and saying that this was done after the design by uh, George Hamill, who was a very famous uh, designer and illustrator that a lot of people have probably heard of. So, I mean, when you talk about historical integrity of something that's 70, 80, 90 years old, that's something that is really special to me and that resonates with me and gets me excited and that I think a lot of collectors are starting to pick up on as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember that car. Spectacular car. What about Seller's Remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've owned that you've let go that you wish you had back? You know, I had a 73 TR6, Triumph TR6 Roadster. Great car for a young guy. I bought it, I think, when I was when I was 20 years old and I had it for seven years. And, you know, it was a car I could learn on, I could work on um, and be a little bit hands-on with. But the last couple of years that I had it, I wasn't driving it. I had it stored in the States and I was in Canada and I didn't know if I was going to import it there or not. And, you know, I started following or, or I decided I'd better follow the advice that I'm giving to clients, which is if you're not driving something, then you ought to sell it mm-hmm. and because you're not getting any enjoyment out of it and it's going to sit there and depreciate. So that's what I did. I let it go. And in hindsight, what could I have kept it? Yes. Would it be cool to have it? Yes. But there's other cars out there. I've actually got my set sight on a, a little 38 Buick Century Coupe, cool. um, which is a really, really good looking eight cylinder car, kind of one of these banker's hot rod type things. And yeah. I might have a chance to get it early next month. So fingers crossed. Absolutely. Just in time, we'll give uh, Santa Claus a call. Make sure that that car shows up under your tree this year. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That would be fun. Well, what are you working on that's coming up here that has you excited and fired up about your business? Well, you know, as I mentioned, this is this is my first year out. I started Sarakowski Classic Car Advisors in January of 17, and I realize that that's a mouthful, but this is sort of a cottage industry, and uh, your reputation as as an organization, I feel, is based on your reputation as you know as the individual, as the principal behind it. And I'm very very focused on advising clients, whether they're buying or selling wanting historical research for the sake of the car or because they're restoring it and they want to do it as accurately as possible. My focus is on being an advisor, and that's very, very important to me. So this has been a year uh, sort of flying by the seat of my pants. I've had uh, I was very, very fortunate to start out with some very interested and active clients that I've been very engaged with throughout the year and had other opportunities throughout the years. Things have come up. I just launched a website three weeks ago, which was months in process because I was spending so much time on the road working on deliverables. I got an opportunity to judge at Pebble Beach Concours this year, nice. um, which was, again, another tremendous opportunity. So now that things Although I I say things should be slowing down with the holidays coming up. I've actually got quite a bit of travel planned, but I want to I want to spend some time to just reflect on the year, focus on growth, focus more on my advisory business and helping people build and realign their collections and have 
the best cars possible within their parameters. So I'm going to be spending a lot more time actively doing that, visiting with my clients in their garages. I was just gone for three days with a client doing just that. And I'm, I'm just looking forward to, to a great year. And, you know, I've got a couple of uh, private treaty sales in the pipeline that I'm working on nurturing, and that's always good as well. And a lot of historical research as well, cars that are being restored for Pebble Beach or cars that the owners are just looking for more information on. But I'm working with great cars. I'm finding photographs and documenting things that haven't been written down before. So I'm just having a blast. The world is your oyster, Jonathan. I think you're going to have a great 2018 for sure. Sounds like you got it figured out. Well, if you were a car, Jonathan, what kind of car would you be and why? That's a tough one. I think I would be a coach-built Packard. Nice. A V-windshield Dietrich Packard. Let's call it... uh, Let's call it the Macaulay Speedster, which for people that may not know is a, a boat tail speedster with a V windshield that was built for Alvin Macaulay, who was the president of the Packard company, and it no longer exists. But I'm an American. Um, Packards are sort of sophisticated and refined, and that's what I strive to be in my personal life and my presentation and work with my clients. And they're not race cars, they're not supercars. But they're extraordinarily reliable. They are performance-oriented. They can cruise at a high speed all day long. And they're very, very graceful cars that I admire and look up to. So if I could embody a car, that would be it. Nicely done. I love it. (laughs) That's a great answer. Well, Jonathan, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Well, we're into December now, and the holidays are here. And if you have an automotive enthusiast on your list that's hard to buy for, get them a Covercraft gift card. They can go and order anything they want from the Covercraft website. All sorts of things are there, including car covers, dash covers, seat covers, sunscreens, front-end protection, floor mats, canine covers, work truck, power sports covers. There's everything there for the automotive enthusiast to take care of their special vehicles. I've been a Covercraft user since 1975. That's right. All the way back to high school. So go to Covercraft.com, click on the gift card button, order it in any denomination you'd like. You can put it in the mail, they'll ship it for you, stick it in a stocking, and you'll make somebody very happy. That's Covercraft.com, Covercraft gift cards at Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. 
But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Jonathan, we are back, and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Best advice I've ever received is to not be involved with questionable cars. Um, <laughs> in other words, things that are fake, made up, subject to interpretation. When you're dealing in pre-war coach-built cars, people are looking for purity, and you can sort of get a reputation as a black sheep if you're one of the people that deals with cars that are a bit edgy. So I try to encourage my clients and, and myself be only seen and associated with things that are really, really good, pure things. Nice way. Those are cars we call cars with stories. Stay away from cars yeah, with stories, right. at least the bad stories. Yeah. Now, if you could share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your many successes over the years, what would that be? I think the habit that's contributed most to my success is just my desire for research and knowing more information. Um, I try to be very, very articulate when I'm presenting an analysis, a historical report, a, a recommendation to a client. And that comes with a great deal of background research so that if I put something in writing or I say something, I want it to be authoritative and something you can take to the bank rather than something sort of apocryphal. And I think that that's allowed me to build and solidify trusted relationships because people know that they can really rely on what I'm saying. Absolutely. Now, there's lots of great resources for us these days, but is there one that you'd like to share? I've got to be self-serving here and, and uh, point out my website, um, jonathansarakowski.com. You can learn a little bit about me, my approach to things. I tried to keep the text short and sweet and let a lot of uh, previously unpublished historic images do the talking. So hopefully it can be a resource for people that might be interested in, uh, in any of the services that I offer. And I'm happy to point somebody in the right direction if it's at all helpful. Absolutely. And I'll remind the listeners that uh, Jonathan has a show notes page on my Cars Yeah website. I will put a link to his website. You should go check it out. It's really fun. There's some cool visual imagery there. You can learn a little bit more about Jonathan and what he does. And hopefully, if you need his services, you can contact him and make a connection. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? If I could have a drink with anybody, it would be Billy Durant, who, oh, yeah. who assembled General Motors. Yeah. I think it's fascinating what he did in terms of consolidating the automotive industry, building a great company that was the world's largest company for, for many, many decades. And he had many successes and failures throughout his time at the helm of GM. But from a business, my business school perspective and case study perspective, I mean, what he did was absolutely fascinating and is still interesting uh, for me to talk about with Mr. Durant today, you know, as it was for people watching him back in the 20s and 30s. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you're the first person to mention him because he was a, a real leading pioneer in the United States automotive industry. And I think a lot of people 
he's kind of a little bit of an unsung hero, if you will. If you don't know about him, uh, check him out because what this guy pulled off and what he did uh, was pretty amazing. So I think sitting down with him would be quite an interesting evening, that's for sure. How about a book? Is there a book you've read you think our listeners would enjoy? Yeah, and it's a, it's an off-the-beaten-path book, especially today where we're talking about the demise of the internal combustion engine with maybe 20 years. Um, Philip's blog, Turtle Garage, just had a great entry about that. I would encourage people to write, uh, to read rather, Horseless Carriage Days by Hiram Percy Maxim. A lot of people might recognize, probably not a lot of people recognize him. Actually, he invented the Maxim machine gun and the silencer, the automotive muffler. But literally, he writes about his experience trying to motorize a, a bicycle. And it starts out with him going to the drugstore and buying some gasoline and pouring a little bit into a can and throwing a match in to see how it ignites. And he tries to build this little rudimentary motor to put on his bike. And then he ends up getting involved with Colonel Pope um, in Hartford, Connecticut, and works for Pope Manufacturing. You know, I, I have a lot of affinity for the book because the story takes place in Massachusetts and Connecticut and the areas that I grew up in. And, and really, this was a lot of the cradle of the early automotive industry. This is the late 1800s, early 1900s. But it will really, really give people that take the time to read it an appreciation for how this whole thing started, especially in the context of where we're ending up, you know, roughly 120 years later um, with cars um, maybe not being self-driven or maybe not being gasoline-powered anymore. Yeah, very interesting. It's the first time that book has been recommended here, so I'm glad it's something new for the guest recommended book section on my website. Uh, there's a great place there for our listeners to go. You can find all the awesome books that my inspiring automotive enthusiasts have recommended on the Cars yeah! website, and you can find all the other links on Jonathan's show notes page on the Cars yeah! website. And Jonathan's last name is S-I-E-R-A-K. O-W-S-K-I, but just put Jonathan in. You'll find his show notes page and links to this book and all the great recommendations he's had for us today. All right, Jonathan, we're up to the last question. It can be a real doozy for some people, maybe not for you. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet, but it's the only one you can have. But you got to keep it. you got to enjoy it. you got to drive it, as you said earlier. If you're not driving your car, buy something you'll drive. What would that vehicle be and why? Well, Mark, um, first of all, I got to give you my heartfelt thanks. That's extremely generous of you. <laughs> well, Christmas is coming. I'm, I'm feeling very generous. <laughs> uh, I, I think the car that I would love to have in my garage is the aforementioned 540K Special Roadster. That may not come as a surprise to you because you've checked out my website and to people that might because that's the car that I used as my logo. I think it is one of the best-looking cars of the classic era it's got performance. It's this big supercharged straight eight, you know, so I think that the technical design and engineering is interesting. I think the coachwork is absolutely beautiful. I would drive the hell out of it and, you know, have my wife with me as much as possible. And that's a car where it's, uh, you know, it's a not, it's, it's not about when you arrive, it's how you arrive. I oh, mean, that's yeah. a car you could show up late to anywhere. Oh, my goodness. Well, you picked an expensive toy here, I'm afraid. I'm going to have to look under my sofa cushions and find a little more change here. But, uh, you know, I've seen some of those at car shows, and they and they take your breath away when you walk up to them because I think they kind of epitomize that look, that sleek, 
cabrio look with you know the the just the two doors and the long hood and the sweeping tail and those two beautiful pipes coming out of the side and wire wheels and oh my gosh well what color would you like to be oh probably a, a dark color like black or or dark maroon or something yeah but you know what if you're buying, I won't complain about the color, Mark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no problem then. Well, make it a little easier for me to pry it from somebody's fingers, so that's for sure. And I'm guessing you know where a few of those are, so you can send me a note and then I'll just drive it on over to your garage. Wow. Sure. What a nice choice. You know, the first person out of 900 plus people who've picked that car too, if I remember correctly. Hard to remember what everybody's wishes were here on Cars, yeah, but that is, oh, what a beautiful car. Well, Jonathan, you've taken us on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed Enjoyed getting to know you better. I'm so glad that Philip Richter connected us together. Thank you, Philip, for that, the guy from Turtle Garage. And thank you for sharing your journey today. Could you give us a little piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset and that 540K? <laughs> nice thought, isn't it? Yeah. You know, uh, I, I would circle back right to where we started that, you know, whatever it is you want to do, chase your dreams. There are a lot of people that when they, especially, you know, older people that have, that have found their success like to help younger people out that are really passionate and really engaged with what they're doing. So it doesn't matter if you want to be involved with cars or if it's some other endeavor, you will be able to find mentors, people that are in that field or outside that field that will help you no matter what. And as long as you keep working hard at it and, uh, and studying the landscape, you'll find your opportunity and you'll find your success. And, you know, I've really got to thank my wife, Elizabeth, as well, because as much as she is my wife and life partner, we coach each other and celebrate each other. We're talking to each other about our respective businesses all the time. We're helping each other. We're trying to give each other objective advice and, and work through these different problems and challenges that present themselves. And we check in probably once a month, especially now because we got married and we've moved and now we're buying a house. And we sort of like checking in on how are things going with business and our personal goals and, and where are we at with charting our course and do we need to fine tune things or, or change the balance of things? And I guess the point that I'm trying to make is you've got to look at your life as a whole, as a big picture, because there are a lot of people that we all know that might be really, really successful in business, but then you, you look at the personal life and you find out that there's deficits there. And you've got to work with your partner, with your family, and you've got to be approaching your life as a whole and keeping all that in balance so that you can get the most success, the most satisfaction, the most happiness out of everything that you're doing. Very well said. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? Again, I would point people to... Um, to my website. I tried to make it very, very personal based on my experience and what I like and give people a feel for what I'm all about. And my phone number's on there. My email address is on there. There's no, you don't have to submit a form and you don't really know if anyone's going to read it or not. So if anybody has questions, want to know more, want some advice, whether it's car wise or, or another young person that, you know, is trying to find their way in the car world or somewhere else, happy to talk. Please reach out and I'm available. There you go. Well, listeners, again, you can find a link to that website on Jonathan's show notes page on the Cars Yow website. Just go there. I've made it really easy for you. I would encourage you to stay in touch with Jonathan. Jonathan, Follow what he's doing. Reach out to him. He just offered you something there. If you're a young person or an old person trying to find a new path in life, 
Perhaps he can add some inspiration. Yes, he can. Jonathan, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yeah audience and with me. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks for having me, Mark. It was a pleasure. Take care. Until then. Pleasure was all mine. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to carsyeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.